Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixing the Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. Tonight, I am joined by Lil Mike. Going to have a college football season update. Lil Mike, how are we doing? Doing good tonight, Ryan. How about you? You know, I'm feeling good. I know you're you're battling a little bit of a of a cough. I I'm hoping you got a flu game in you here. Hopefully, no COVID Thank on you. that end. Thank you. Yeah, no COVID. Fortunately, I don't I don't think it's that. I'm 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 finally getting over the hump. But uh, you know, yeah, d- dealing with a dealing with a sore throat tonight. So gonna have to ah, have my plain, my plain hurt. Yeah, gonna have to have my Paul Pierce shit my pants moment here and just battle ah. through and come back and you know finish strong. <laughs> <laughs> love to hear that uh, outside of the actual you know being sick and you know that part uh let's let's hop right into it so obviously we are in the stretch run here we're in the final month or so of the college football season so we've got about two months in the bag already georgia right now as the new college football playoff rankings were just announced about an hour ago as from this recording Georgia is the new number one team. They are 9-0 and on the season. They beat last week's number one in the initial college football rankings, Tennessee, pretty soundly at home by two touchdowns, but the game was never really in, in question. Right now, sitting at two is Ohio State. They were two last week as well. Michigan is up two spots. They are now the new number three team. Rounding out the top four is another undefeated team in TCU. They're up three spots. And then the first two teams out as of right now are Tennessee, which was last week's number one, and Oregon. So that is where we stand right now at week 11. Mike, I could I could give you any sort of I could we could talk about all the different big head to head matchups, all the, the big rank versus rank games that have gone down, all the storylines. But let me just let you pick one or two that have really stuck out to you so far at this point in the season. What's what what do you want to talk about here? Well, if I have to pick two storylines, the big one, um, Georgia hasn't fallen off an inch. They lost a ton of people to the NFL last year. There was, you know, a lot of worry. Were they going to be a one-hit wonder? Were they going to, you know, be able to sustain the success that they had last year? Not only have they sustained it, they look like maybe even more of a juggernaut compared to to what they were last year. I mean, the defense is just as good, but the offense is putting up points like it's nobody's business. They're, They're running through everything in their path. They played Tennessee, who, like you mentioned, Ryan, was number one last week. They ran them over this weekend. That was not a particularly close game from start to finish. No. G- Georgia looks and appears like the best team in the country by a significant margin at this point. It doesn't even look like Ohio State, who said number two, or Michigan, who said it's number three, would even give them a game if if the national championship were tomorrow. I think Georgia's just – they are heads and shoulders above everyone else. The other one, um, I think it's the falling off of Alabama. I think it has to be. I mean – they lost to Tennessee. They lost to, to LSU, and given it was by a combined four points. But, you know, Nick Saban teams don't usually enter November or early November, if you will, with two losses, and that's where they're at, which is pretty much a death sentence for the CFP. You don't get into the college football playoff with two losses, so you can pretty much count them out of that right now. It's, it, it, I, I guess the storyline this year is kind of the, 
it, are we seeing the changing of the changing of the guard in the SEC? Is Georgia the new powerhouse going forward? Is is this going to be a thing now? Because this is the second straight year where it's been their conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it has to be one of those two. I'll offer a couple of alternates myself, but just to, to piggyback of the Alabama, the fact that Nick Saban just two weeks into the CFP rankings is already basically eliminated from the playoff. It, it It's crazy. Like, and for them to, to already have two losses, they're practically toast for the sec race. They are, basically toast for the college football playoff. And it's just not something we're used to. I think they've only missed the, the college football playoff once. And that was the, I'm pretty sure that was the LSU year where Joe Burrow and co were just God mode. And that's what it took to keep Saban and Bama out of the playoffs. So for them to already be down at number nine with two losses, not even the best two loss team in the country. Ugh, that's, that's tough for them. Great for the entire nation because everyone's sick and tired of seeing them. But for them, it's kind of like a holy crap moment. A couple of other stories that I think are worth acknowledging. Tennessee, we, we talked about how they didn't come up and they didn't really play particularly well against Georgia last week. But before going into that game, 8-0, number one in the country. They've got a second-year head coach who has turned them – into a powerhouse. They were winning games and not just winning games, but they were going out and beating like really good teams. They went out and beat a, at the time, a ranked Pitt Panther team on the road in Pitt. Granted it was overtime. They had wins against Florida, LSU, Alabama, Kentucky, all before getting to that Georgia game. Like they had racked up five ranked wins prior to the matchup against Georgia. And in a lot of them, they looked really good. They demolished LSU in LSU. Alabama couldn't do that. They beat Alabama and they beat a lot of other good teams too. They just didn't, they just didn't even show up against Georgia. And they just didn't look like they were even on Georgia's level. And that, that just speaks to, like you said, Mike, your initial story. Georgia just being on a whole nother level than everyone else. Like I, I, I wonder if, if Ohio state can, could keep up with them. But I, I, after seeing that performance, I really do not know. Uh, especially when you take into account that the dismantling that they did against Oregon in the season opener, people forget they won by, that game by like 43 and they're only five spots off from the rankings from each other, Oregon being six, Georgia at one. So that's, that's crazy. Um, another, another headline that I think is worth kind of mentioning real quick. It has to be Clemson. They were eight and no coming into last weekend and they just no showed at Notre Dame. Now, this week, Notre Dame popped back into the rankings. But at the time, Notre Dame was unranked 5-3. and three. They, they, they looked lifeless. And Clemson just walked in there and, again, no show. And now they're sitting at 10 in the rankings. One loss normally doesn't rule you out, but Clemson hasn't looked very good this year. They don't have 
a very good resume because the ACC is in a down year as they have been for a couple of years now, at least. And I don't, there is no way Clemson can rebound given their, their schedule. There, there is no way. So Clemson also being toast, no Dabo Sweeney, no Nick Saban in the college football playoff, a very big rarity. So that's, that's where I, I kind of lean to now we've kind of, given our headlines, but let's kind of look real quick, a little bit more in depth on the rankings. So I mentioned what the top six is this week. Well, last week when the college football rankings initially, the first edition came out, Tennessee was one followed by Ohio state at two, Georgia at three Clemson at four Michigan at five and a one loss Alabama was still ahead of an undefeated TCU. So given, obviously given that we've got an extra week in the bag, what, when you saw those initial rankings come out, Mike, did you have any like initial thoughts on the placement of any team towards the top of the rankings? Yeah. My, my first thought was what the fuck is Tennessee doing at number one? Um, I know they've had a strong year. They've had a great schedule and they beat Alabama obviously, but it, it was kind of – it almost felt like an overreaction to me to being like they could have had the same schedule that they had and just not played Bama, and they would have been like four or five last week. And it was like, oh, but because they beat Bama, they deserve to be number one now, and we're trying to hype up the matchup with Georgia. And it's like, what had they done going into last week to suggest that they were better than Georgia? Barely escaped Alabama when Alabama hasn't looked its dominant self the whole year anyways. I mean – yeah, that's cool. It, it almost felt like more of a name value and a short-term overreaction than, you know, kind of evaluating what Georgia had done this year, what Ohio State had done this year, what Michigan had done this year. Um, I, I think, though, it did it did show respect for the undefeated uh, portion of it because, I mean, you obviously – you have an undefeated SEC team and that's going to take precedence over everything else because of the, the dominance of that conference. Um other than that, uh, I didn't really have any issue with rankings. I did think it was a little weird that Georgia was at three, but um, it, uh, otherwise pretty much what I would have expected at that point. I think the Georgia one, I think when you look at the Tennessee, Georgia one and three in the initial rankings, I think you can just point to the resume. They weren't, they didn't do the eye test so much as they did resumes. Tennessee, like I said, already a handful of wins against ranked opponents at the time. Whereas Georgia had just one that opening weekend throuncing of Oregon. And then since then they looked shaky at home against Kent state. They looked, they had to barely squeeze out a win on the road at Missouri who is an SEC shitter. They only won by four in that game. But in every other matchup, completely dominated. So if you were looking at the eye test, yeah, you probably would have kept Georgia at one. But clearly the committee felt that Tennessee's resume was far superior to Georgia's and that the eye test wasn't close enough to make up for that, to keep Georgia there. So I think that's where you can you can kind of point to that as the reason. Now, thankfully, they've played it out on the field and work things out and Georgia reasserted themselves and that kind of worked out nicely there for them. Uh, I think it's interesting that LSU now is seven after this past week of play. It also brings the question of, are they now 
do they now have a shot at the college football playoff? Because the road, they, they are, have inside track to making the SEC championship game out of the uh, West, I believe, because they've beat Ole Miss, they beat Alabama, they've got the tiebreakers over them. So they'll, they'll have that to their advantage. If they were to win the SEC, but a two-loss SEC champion at that, it now becomes very interesting how, how that handles. Because if Tennessee were to win out, they're a one-loss team with a crazy resume and one not-so-great performance against the number one team. And then Georgia would still be there uh, with one loss to the SEC champion. So it's just like I, 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 have, I very much wonder how that would play out. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on how, the, how that might play out? Um. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, that's, there's a lot going on there. I mean, I, I, I think that two losses has always been the benchmark. And, you know, if we start getting into a, a bunch of wild scenarios with this could happen, this team could lose, that team could lose. The, the reality is it's going to be four, zero or one loss teams that get in no matter what, unless every team somehow gets to two losses. And then we're just in for a giant fucking shitstorm, and who knows what's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I I have a hard time seeing the teams at the top losing any games. I have a hard time seeing a team like LSU that's already got two losses making any significant noise. And honestly, unless Tennessee really runs through teams the rest of the way, I have a hard time seeing them get in, given that they've already lost the SEC East. Pretty much, it's I. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where it just kind of feels like it's going to be chalk at this point, and I'm not sure how many random hypotheticals can can change that. Yeah. So it it sounds to me like you definitely don't think two SEC teams is possible right now. Would that be correct? Correct. Yeah. I, I think that you got a better shot at two Big Ten teams with mm. Ohio State and Michigan, with Michigan already being up there. And, and the same for Ohio State. If I mean that that loss is going to be a head-to-head matchup, no matter what. It, so my, it just, my go ahead. So my, my thing here, and the reason I brought it up, I was going to ask you: Do you think two Big Ten teams can make it? Clearly, you do believe so, but I I am hesitant. I I I, I wonder what happens if Ohio State beats Michigan. Now I'm going to assume it's going to be a good game. It might be a blowout, and then the loser is going to have a tough sell there. But if it's a close game, and it's going to most likely be a matchup of two versus three, uh, I don't see how you can so quickly eliminate Tennessee because the loser of Ohio State-Michigan, just like Tennessee, is going to be blocked from the SEC championship or the Big Ten championship in that scenario. So let's, let's say Michigan loses to Ohio State by, I don't know, 10 then they're in, to me, they're almost in the same boat as Tennessee. They, they lost a two-score game to the best team in their conference. They don't have a ch- conference championship to the resume, and they're most likely going to finish at 11-1. and one. So now Michigan and Tennessee, it's, it would almost be a toss-up between the two of them unless the Pac-12 get, can get a one-loss champion. I mean, if it's – it's there's a lot of of plausibility here, a lot of possible scenarios here. I I'm I'm loving it. The fact that it doesn't feel straightforward, even this late into the season, 
I think there's a, a lot still left to be played. I, I think that it's not a given that the Ohio State-Michigan loser will stay in the top four and be okay. I'm not even entirely 100% convinced that TCU, if they go around the table, would necessarily be 100% safe. Now, that, that might be a stretch because with only four undefeated teams left, one of them guaranteed to lose. And it, it seems like there's no way that TCU could fall out. But there is precedent against TCU. If you remember, if you call back to the initial first year of the college football playoff, they got dropped from three to six on the final day uh, in the final rankings uh, when they won a game by like 50. So it, it, it can happen. And the fact that there is a lot of, of toss-ups and a lot left to be determined definitely makes for a thrilling end to the season. No doubt about it. Now, do you think there's any shot of TCU undefeated TCU could get left out or are they a, a guaranteed lock now that they're in the top four in an undefeated spot? I guess it depends on how they play their schedule the rest of the way. Um, if it's a lot of really tight games, you have, you know, the, if Ohio state and Michigan were to play a close game and if let's say Oregon were to run the table the rest of the way and they play USC in the PAC 12 championship and they beat the crap out of USC. Um, I, I don't want to say it's unfathomable, but I think it's difficult if TCU runs the table that they get left out. I, I can't, there's going to only at most, there will only be three undefeated teams at the top at the end of the season because of the Ohio state Michigan game. I can't see two one-loss teams really getting in over an undefeated TCU. Now, if TCU loses a game, I think they're screwed because the pack, the Big 12 is not good. The second-best team in the Big 12 here in the rankings is, oh, my God, where are you? Is that Texas at 18? Or am I, am I, am I, am I dense, or is that right? Is that Texas at 18, the second-best team in the Big 12? No, I think you're right uh, because everyone has kind of fallen out. Uh, they've just been beating themselves up. If you look at it, I mean, the second, third, and fourth place teams in the Big 12 all have three losses on the season. So they've been kind of just beating up on each other. Baylor's not even in the rankings. Oklahoma State is not in the rankings. Those were like the preseason favorites we talked about in our season preview show a couple months ago. They're not even anywhere to be found here. It's Texas and Kansas State that are chilling here trying to scrap their way into a rematch with TCU. Now, Texas is going to get TCU beforehand. They actually play this upcoming weekend. So the race isn't a given, but TCU looks to be in a pretty good spot here where they're going to make the Pig 12 championship game. It's whether or not they can run the table and, and more or less lock in their spot in the top four. Right, yeah, I, I, and I, I think you you put it perfectly there. Um, if if they take care of business, they're going to stay in there and they're going to solidify themselves. But you know, one loss in in that conference with every the second best team being six and three, they're probably screwed. So they're pretty much the Big 12's only hope at this point. Yeah, I I agree with that, especially when you take into account that they've been playing from behind in a lot of their games. They they really they haven't extent exactly blown away at times so they're they're definitely going to need to run the table i think i i i think i'm with you on that one now 
let's quickly talk about the Heisman. Only uh, about a month left in the season. Do you have a, a Heisman favorite at this point? Or you think it's still an open race? Uh, I think it's a two-horse race at this point, and it's C.J. Stroud and Hendon Hooker. I mean, they're both putting up significant numbers this year. They've both mm-hmm. looked fantastic. I think Stroud has a slight edge going down the stretch with Ohio State being undefeated with him having the better overall season. I could see either one of them winning it. Other than that, um, I don't really see anyone else pulling it out at this point in time. Yeah, I, I would agree that Stroud has to be the favorite right now. I mean, he just unlocks everything for that offense. Uh, so, I mean, he's got the best QBR in the nation. The stats are disgusting. Uh, he he just carries that team on his back, head and shoulders. If, if you want to include a third name to that list, if USC were to run the table the rest of the way, be a one-loss Pac-12 champion with – uh, they'd have a good list of marquee wins. I think you could include Caleb Williams, their quarterback, in the conversation because he has also had similar stats to to CJ Stroud. The QBR isn't quite up there, but 28 touchdowns to just one interception compared to CJ Stroud's 29 touchdowns and four interceptions. So he's pretty much in the same neighborhood as CJ Stroud. So I think you can also make a case for Caleb Williams if the Trojans are able to win out. Now, I know that with conference championships still to be determined, plenty still left with about, I think there's four, maybe five weeks left in the regular season. Uh, anything could happen. But who who would do you think there's – I know you said that you think Georgia is the unquestioned number one and no one's in their level. Do you think that they will find a way to win it all, not only SEC, but another back-to-back national championships when all is said and done? I do. I just I... – I don't really think that anyone else it, – it, it, no one else has the cohesion and the talent level to, to keep up with Georgia, and no team is as well-coached as, as, as Georgia is right now. Kirby Smart is – to, to use an expression that's used fondly around here, Kirby Smart's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. It's, he, mm-hmm. he looks like he's coaching an NFL team that's gotten lost in college football. They just – the offense functions at a high level. The defense doesn't give up points. They Tennessee scored what, like thirteen on them this weekend, and they were averaging like, yeah. Well, what, what were they averaging? Like thirty something going into that game, or something Close ridiculous? Yeah, I mean, a team scoring almost forty a game, and they go in and and, and all of a sudden they're only averaging thirteen again. They only score thirteen. Like that's that's something to be said for that when you shut down a team that's been manhandling opponents that easily. So I don't know. I mean, it's. It's one of those things, I guess, where, you know, it uh, only time's going to tell, but I, I can't really see Georgia losing the way they're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, Stetson Bennett playing the way he's playing. I mean, they've, they've got Brock Powers or Brock Bowers. He's easily the best tight end in the country, no doubt about it. The, the offense is clicking for the most part, and the defense is just as good as it was last year. So, I mean, it's, it's a scary proposition to say the least. All right, Mike, I think that actually covers most of the topics I wanted to hit on here. Is there anything else that you think we left out that we should hit on? 
Uh, I don't think so. I think we've pretty much updated everybody for midseason the way we need to. And I think we can revisit this in like a few weeks when, when bowl season rolls around. I concur. So that's going to do it on this edition of Fixing the Talk Sports for Lil Mike. I'm Ron Brown. We'll see you next time.